Hey, it's basic snitches. <laughs> it I is. thought you were going to say hi. It's basically me. <laughs> it's basically me and Adam. It's if you were Gilderoy Lockhart, that would be the name <laughs> of your books. <laughs> hi, it's me. Basically me. Basically me. Um, it's 10.30 at night and I wake up at 4.30 in the morning, so... I'm great. I'm a real exciting person. I, I do not have to wake up that early. I'm like, my bedtime's in half an hour, so. Yeah. so but that's okay. I, I'm more basic than you are. Just We're going to have a good time. Uh, I think it's time to share a little update with everyone. What are we up to right now? Other than work, mm-hmm. Tara and I are planning a trip to New York in a couple weeks that we're really excited about. It'll be really fun. It's very Harry Pottery. There's quite a bit of Harry Potter stuff happening. Also, um, I'm singing at Carnegie Hall. Yes. With the Canton Symphony Chorus and a few other local uh, choruses um, on June 10th. We get to sing uh, Vaughn Williams' Don't Know Pachem. It is the hardest freaking music I have ever sung in my life. When she's doing that, I'm thinking about going to a spa and getting a massage. Right? So, uh, who wins here? So, um, and actually... We both do, because we get to take a vacation. This is true. Vacation. I do want to share, though, that also last week I got to perform in a concert version of West Side Story. I was Graziella, who is just a jet girl, but she has a cool name. And uh, that was really cool. I got to perform with uh, Akron Symphony. We performed to an almost sold out house of almost 2,500 people. So that was pretty cool. Terrific. I have not been living quite as an exciting life. I've also not been sleeping, so there's that. <laughs> yes. I have been trying to do this. So I'm a lot into mindfulness. I'm sure I'm going to mention it a ton in this podcast. Probably already have a couple times. So uh, I meditate every day, and I've been actually doing it in the morning, which has been a big change, I think. I think I'm a little bit more calm. I'm trying to remain mindful throughout the day. I tend to be a big overthinker, so trying to rein that in. That's kind of my big exciting news. You know <laughs> what? Exciting Yay. So updates include some good things and some stressful things and some exciting things, and us talking about yeah. the chapter where we get to meet literally so many amazing exactly. people. Oh my gosh. I basically get to sleep and you don't. That's... That's... Uh, <laughs> Anywho, yes, let's get into this. I would love to read this chapter outline with All me. All right. So this is chapter six, The Journey from Platform 9 and 3 Quarters, my version. Okay. Take it away. <clears throat> Unlike the movie, Harry has to go back and live with the douchebags. But they scurred. Yeah, they are scurred at him. Go. I can't I can't say that. <laughs> Terrible. You just did. I just did. <laughs> Harry is lucky and Vernon offers to take him to King's Cross Station. But oh wait, he's not a nice guy. Don't confuse this for being nice. He abandons him there. What a fuck. Luckily, we have a parade of, gin- of gingers show up. Led by HBIC herself, Molly fucking Weasley, Yas Queen. It says Yas Quen. Oh, it does. <laughs> Yas Quen. Yas Quen. <laughs> the HBIC teaches Harry to enter the platform. He is recognized by the Weasleys by his scar. Ginny is sad she cannot meet Harry. Don't worry, Jin. 
he'll become very acquainted with him in the future. Winky face. That was a winky face. <laughs> Not a one or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that other backup that I did. Whatever. Percy is a prefect and loves talking about it, apparently. Ron becomes Harry's compartment buddy and has some shit on his nose. It's ironic that he's got the brown nose and Hermione doesn't. Ha ha, get it. Sorry, Hermione. I still love you. I couldn't help myself. I am way jealous of the amount of trading cards available on chocolate in the chocolate frogs. Wizard candy sounds so much cooler than muggle candy. Yeah, it really does. Uh, the trolley lady is so underrated. Love that bitch. Same. God, Draco sucks. Also... <laughs> That's all he deserves. That's all we're gonna say about him. Sucks. Also, Scabbers is here, and man, do I want to hate Scabbers. But in this chapter, he's so relatable. All he does is sleep and bite people he doesn't like, just like me. <laughs> they finally make it to Hogwarts and have their sweet-ass boat ride. Okay. Uh, these chapters just keep on getting better and better. They really do. They really, really do. <gasps> and we, like, get to meet so many great people in this chapter. Oh, yes. Like, my, the love of my life. Percy Weasley? Neville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Scabbers? <laughs> Neville Longbottom. Oh, of course. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe that I didn't do you justice and include Neville. That's because there's... No chapter outline can contain the wonder of Neville Longbottom. You know what, though? The love of my life is also in this chapter. Molly Weasley. <laughs> I fucking love Molly. She's the best. She's so amazing. Like, uh, the this series has some of the most amazing female characters mm-hmm. ever. Molly, Minerva, Hermione, the trolley lady. <laughs> the trolley lady who brings you snacks. Yes. Oh. Like, talking about some of the stuff, like, pumpkin pasties sounds so... I want one of those. Fucking good. We're getting ahead of ourselves already. We're so excited. Anyway, (laughs) let's let's talk about this chapter. Yes. Just a really quick final mention of the Dursleys for this season. (laughs) Bye, bitch. Yes. (laughs) Part of me is like, okay, we're kind of keeping the momentum of, okay... Fuck these muggles. We got better things to talk about. Because you see them so quickly, and they're not even quite as bad as they used to be. They're a little bit scared of Harry now that, you know, he knows what he is and who he is. And it's clear that they still don't understand him. Bernie makes the joke about the flying carpet. Yada, yada, yada. And he even offers to take him to King's Cross. He even says... Something along the lines of, oh, I had to go to London already or I wouldn't have even bothered. And then they just abandoned him. This is just what we expect. Sure. At this point, though, in the story, I'm just like, oh, well, that sounds about right. And Harry's like, well, I guess I'm going to do this. Where's yeah. platform nine and three quarters? So something really quick about nine and three quarters. On top of all the other mystical bullshit that I talked about earlier this episode, and last episode I gave you some crystals and whatnot, mm-hmm. I also uh, really love tarot. And when I learned tarot... Also the... really love tarot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, sometimes I like to read tarot. (laughs) (laughs) And then you're bored and you go back to tarot. Um, But Uh. the book that I read when I learned tarot, um, (laughs) that was good. Well done. The book that I read when I learned tarot um, talks about in um, the suit cards, which are the pentacles and the swords and all of those, that where you really want to be is between 9 and 10. And 10 tends to sometimes be excess or chaos. And 9 is like just before reaching perfection. So 9 and 3 quarters is where the magic begins. Oh my gosh, that's really cool. Isn't that great? I didn't know any of that. I absolutely love that. When I saw this in this tarot book, I'm like, you got me. I like that analogy for 9 and 3 quarters. I don't know if that is something widespread in tarot or just something that the author of this book came up with or if JK knew about this this little tactic, but I think it's very clever and something that I wanted to bring up. Hey, this is where the, <clears throat> the magic begins. We got a nice, juicy taste of it in the last chapter. Mm-hmm. But here's where, where we really begin. And of course, this is where we meet the one Everyone. of the best families ever. Like, first we meet all of the Weasleys. Yay! We've been getting a taste here and there. We, of course, first meet Hagrid, and then we meet... Well, I guess in the last chapter, we met Draco too, but no one cares about him. So, but here's where the the trio comes into view. And uh, like you said, Neville, we learn about a few other names, like Lee Jordan comes up. Oh yeah, there's... Although, like, clap, like all the clapbacks to names that you learn more about later. Yeah. It's, it's very fun. And we've even talked a little bit about that, how <clears throat> we heard Bathilda Bagshot, and we heard Delegus Diggle a couple times now. Yeah. We didn't mention that last episode, but... Uh, yeah. Uh, he, he's a minor character. He's, he's um, a great minor yeah. character. And Sirius Black, and... But here, finally, it's like, oh, we're getting to, like, the, the meat and potatoes of, like, the main characters These are the here, people we're looking for. than the ones that we've already met. I don't know what else to say, except yeah. that it's just very let's, exciting. Let's just talk about how Harry gets onto the platform. It's literally due to the Weasleys. Mm-hmm. And the coolest thing is, is Harry's, like, asking people, and they're like, yeah, you're crazy, you're a dumb kid, whatever. And then he hears muggles yeah and he's just like wait oh my gosh and it's almost like it's solidifying that this is real he heard someone other than hagrid right say muggles and then he sees his whole family we finished off the last chapter about him being like okay is this where it's done that this little fantasy is over but no (laughs) it's finally like the the realization that okay sure this is going to continue on you get to see the personalities of all of those children. Like, literally, the five youngest Weasley children, you see all their personalities so early yeah. on before you get to know any of them. Ron is the one that you really don't get much out of in this. Right. You get it, you get it because you're going to get it with Harry in the compartment, but you see Fred and George goofing around. Mm-hmm. You see Ginny is just ready to, ready to be a part of a thing, and you see Percy be like Percy, you know? Yeah. And you, you see Molly... Be amazing mom the of most, the year. Like, uh, she's just fucking great. Heartwarming, lovely mother. <sighs> right? Like, she's but so you see, it's amazing. literally like a few few paragraphs of just 
you know these people. Yeah. So when you do interact with Fred and George later when Harry's doing Quidditch with them, like you're like, yep, this is exactly what I expect. When you do see Percy do Percy things, you're like, yeah, that's what I expect. When when Ginny comes into the story way more in this next book, she did that with just a paragraph. You know, when Harry gets a Christmas present from the Weasleys, the audience is not surprised yeah. because you saw this woman in her warmth in just a section of this chapter, you know? Yeah. Perhaps that is a good technique because Ron, we have so much time to learn and grow and yeah. see him develop. Exactly. But the rest of the family, you immediately get to know. The Percy is a little bit more snooty and kind of the, the goody two-shoes. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the twins and everything. And I love it so much. Yeah, it's great. It's nice that you mention how Ginny is so eager <clears throat> to join everything. Because this is way later on, but we, we learn that she becomes a Quidditch fan. Ginny is... An incredible character, yeah. and I love that she's introduced so early. And you, with that fortitude yeah. that she exhibits. And in reading this chapter, you don't think anything else about her. You never think right. about her until the next book. Yeah, exactly. But you remember her oh, when yes. you when you get to the next book. I just, I love that. So Harry is successful in getting onto the platform. We actually get Neville mentioned before we get on the train. Mm-hmm. Because he's lost Trevor. Trevor is clearly... Like, wants fucking nothing to do with Neville. <laughs> I, feel, I feel bad for Neville. Like, you, you someone get him a new pet, because Trevor ain't having it. It's really great because there's, like, this paragraph where you, you hear the descriptions of people, and you're like, oh, no, who that is? It says, Harry pushed his cart off down the platform in search of an empty seat. He passed a round-faced boy who was saying, Gran, I've lost my toad again. Oh, Neville, he heard the old woman sigh. So there's Neville. And then... A boy with dreadlocks was surrounded by a small crowd. Give us a look, Lee. Go on. There's Lee Jordan. It's just so great to just <laughs> see these people again. When you said that just there, it made me think of how they say at the end, you know, Hogwarts will always be there to welcome you home. And it feels uh... like as we're rereading this, it, it's slowly welcoming us back. Oh. It, yeah, it really is. And then the twins help Harry get his trunk on there, and then they re- you know they all learn who, he, who is. he is, and then he like awkwardly listens in on the family conversation about how they met Harry Potter, the way he has to experience that again. Yeah. And then like Ron comes into his compartment, and he's like, <laughs> "Oh, can I sit here?" You know, it's just it's got to be something still that he has to get used to. I mean, at the very least, he has been able to soak up. A little bit more of the wizarding world. And with he, his, yeah. his trip to Diagon Alley, <clears throat> now here. But remembering that people see him as being famous, I don't think that has been quite at the forefront. Um, Ollivander mentions Lily, of course, like we talked mm-hmm. about last time. It wasn't as if she was famous for the way that she, she passed away. It was because Ollivander remembers her. Right. Other than some of that activity that happened at the Leaky Cauldron, this is another opportunity for him to remember, oh yeah, I'm famous in this world. So that's got to be something he's still adjusting to. Oh God, yeah. I wonder how Ron feels when he comes in and he's like, do you think that this famous person will let me sit with him? Yeah. You know, because Ron, Ron is not confident at all in Mm -hmm. this part of the series. And I just, I think of Ron being like, 
oh my god, the only place I can find is with Harry Potter and he's famous or whatever. <laughs> Ron is not one of my favorite characters in the story, but I really love book one Ron mm -hmm. so much. And more so, Ron is, is such a complex and important character and you're not supposed to love him all the time. Yeah. But... He, in book one, he's so amazing. Yes. I love him in this chapter. I think as kind of a shy, blank slate of a character almost. You get to see great ways that he grows throughout the series. I mean, what immediately comes to mind is later this book we'll talk about the chess game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But Ron I, is great. But I also think of, like, he's very moody. I think of moments in Goblet of Fire having to do with the ball. I think right. of um, moments in the seventh book when he storms off. But there is so much more to learn about him. Like you said, he's very complex. A lot of Ron has to do with the fact that he comes from a family with lots of siblings. Yeah. Because once we, you know, like once he gets to know Harry and then, you know, you put Hermione in the mix... They're both only children. Like, I know Harry lives with his aunt and uncle and his cousin, so he doesn't feel like an only child. But these are people who... So even if you think of Harry and Dudley as brothers or something, as far as children in the household, Ron is one of seven. Yeah. You know, Harry is one of two if we're going to go that yeah. far. And clearly Hermione comes from... Because, of course, we meet her here, She's too. She's clearly an only child. She's an only child, and her parents are dentists that are very understanding. <laughs> like, yeah. they have this very bright daughter who I think they They're raised They probably encouraged well. the heck out of her. Yeah. Ron, even based on his comparison to Ginny, who's the youngest and the only girl, almost pales in comparison at first. I had never thought about this until right now. In my family, there's four children. And I'm the oldest, and then I have twins who are younger, twin brothers mm -hmm. who are younger than me. I don't have twins. I don't have any children. I have twin brothers. You have and, and then my sister is, is the youngest and the only girl, too. It's funny because if I had to, like, relate myself to one of the Weasleys, I mean, we don't see a lot of Bill or Charlie until, of course, later. Percy, I mean, as being the oldest in this situation, I guess I do kind of dance the beat of my own drum. But, like, Ron is also gives off more of a guinea pig vibe than anything. I always kind of see that I have was, like, the guinea pig as the oldest. Well, Ron says the complete opposite when he was, like... You know, Harry's like, I wish I had three wizard brothers. And he's like, oh, I have five. Oh, that's and Ron's true. like, every time I do something great, who gives a shit? He's because kind of like I'm the, the last wallpaper. one. Everyone's done it. The you know? wallpaper. Like, bless him. But he has a point. You know, I am also the oldest in my family. My parents are actually really good about not comparing us to each other. Mm. Which is really good because we're all very different. Ron has a really good point because I think this happens. You know, like, great job me for doing a thing, but who cares? everyone else did it first or whatever and this is all very fascinating to harry you know like harry doesn't know what that like harry doesn't know what that's like he just knows what it's like to be treated like he doesn't exist which in comparison i i would rather just be like ignored for not for being not being the first person to do shit versus not being treated like you exist so like yes ron's situation is better yeah it definitely looks better to harry but ron is like but you're famous. You know, it, it's just, it's a very interesting contrast. Yeah. Ron doesn't yet know what the situation is that Harry's been in. And I don't 
completely know if he can ever completely understand. It's very, very different. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Um, we get to meet Scabbers. Oh, my God, Scabbers. I was hoping with some of the references that we've already experienced, like Sirius and yada, yada, yada. From, from the past chapters that we would have gotten a little bit of foreshadowing into, hey, this rat's actually a dick. Well, he's not a dick. He's a man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, a terrible human. But all he does is sleep. And then he actually bites Crabber Goyle, right? It's yeah. Not, it's not Draco. He, he really is just a basic-ass rat. I yes. honestly think that Peter Pettigrew is just like, it ain't so bad to be a rat. <laughs> Like, because, you know, there's no imminent threat for him. Right. He, he thinks that he's... Why not just live as a... If I could fucking just live as a cat and get oh my pets and all the things given to me, like, that's he's a pet. I wish... He doesn't have to do shit, you know? I wish I had a pet cam so I could see what they do when I'm not... Probably isn't very exciting. Obviously, like, my thought is, is he just enjoys being a rat. This is a great <laughs> gig. I'll just... I'll just eat some, everyone's food. Yeah, like I, I, he doesn't know who this kid is who's putting his hand over by the treats and doesn't see that there's a rat there either. He doesn't know that this is a bully. I don't yeah. know if he completely understands in his sleepy stupor, oh my gosh, this is Harry Potter. If Harry looks just like James, he probably does. But Perhaps, know, but he's sleeping the whole time too. And he also just doesn't care. He's like, whatever, this is safe. Yeah, this is a safe world for me, you know? We've talked enough about this douche I know, this right? Douche rat. Fucking douche rat. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of this chapter to me is Harry and Ron just getting to open up to each other. I think so too. Because one, Harry's never opened up to anyone except for kind of Hagrid now. Mm-hmm. Ron is his age. This is his first friend. This is his first friend. And, like, they're both so welcoming to each other. Ron's like, I'm offering you this shitty sandwich Mm -hmm. because you offered me really good snacks, but I know that it's no good, so please don't judge me. And Harry's like, I love that I'm sharing things with someone. Yeah, I was going to say it. Literally, one of that that line that Harry has never had anything to share with people before, I'm like, oh, I love that because it's just the building. And, like, Ron is... Able to say something about feeling like, oh, I'm just a, you know, the sixth kid in the line of seven kids, and who gives a shit if I do anything? Like, well, it's and like, beautiful. They are. This is maybe a bit hokey, but Ron is sharing his friendship and his companionship mm-hmm. with him. Friendship is just a shitty sandwich. In this case. <laughs> But um, no, I, I just, I, that's my favorite thing in the show. Like, there's some cool stuff that happens or whatever, but that's my favorite thing. Like, and then he's like, oh, you want to see me do a spell? And then Hermione comes in. But yeah. really, that's my favorite. I will say, and I, I mentioned this a little bit in my recap, something I really love that we don't get the detail of, again, in the movie, but it's not practical, are, well, first of all, like I said, the, the candies and mm-hmm. stuff. I think I maybe talked about this already too much, but like the, the, all the candies, it it just, it adds color and excitement to me. But I also was really surprised at the cards Mm -hmm. and the amount of cards that there are. Like they mentioned Cersei and they mentioned Merlin and it's beyond just witches and wizards that we know from the book, but like... Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know that much about mythology. I don't but either, I but I know that there's a lot of mythology yeah. stuff in here. I thought it was really cool. It's really fun. And I feel like it makes things a little bit more tangible and realistic. Like that there are other 
characters that people could know that are in here. I don't know. I really liked that. and It was not something I remembered either. It's Yeah, it's really fun. I quite enjoy it. Also, like, I haven't had a lot of chocolate frogs, but there's, like, the real ones that you can get at Wizarding World. I've, yeah. I've acquired, like, three of them, mm-hmm. but I have a Dumbledore and two Salazar Slytherins. So, <laughs> so I'm like, I would love to have some of these obscure ones. That would be cool. Yeah, we have Rowena Ravenclaw, we have Helga mm-hmm. Hufflepuff, and we have Godric Gryffindor. Oh, my god. I do not have a Slytherin one. Um, I think I had one. Did I give it to you? You may you may have given me one of the chocolate frogs, and yeah. then inside of it happened to be slow. Yeah, I don't know. And then, but I was like, I want fucking Dumbledore. But anyway, yeah. this is and not relevant. There's like but... the shitty like ones that just come in a wrapper and not in the beautiful box. Yeah, and I got all I've gotten from those are Hagrid. <laughs> like I, I Hagrid, 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 and all of them. Hagrid should have all the chocolate frog cards. But let's be honest, Hagrid. in this world, Hagrid does not have a card. Yet in that chocolate frog. I, they better give him a chocolate frog. I know, card seriously. Moving away from chocolate frogs. So, so yeah, they, then they're trying all the beans. Yeah. It's fun. It's just fun. It's eleven-year-old boys. Like then he's like, oh, you want to see this spell? That, oh, that absolutely. Is, you know, it's just really great fun character yeah. building. And then we meet Hermione, and I will say, whoever like, likes Hermione in the first chapter is I weird. No, it sucks because I adore her. She really is one of my favorites, but she's snobby and she's a know-it-all girl. And again, she's a child too, and she grows a lot. And she also like she like Harry is coming from a background where she doesn't know how to behave. She does not know how to carry herself in this mm-hmm. environment. So I get it. I don't like her in this instance, but I get it. But at the same time, she's like protecting herself. I feel. I see a couple parallels. First, I never want to compare her to Draco. But, like, it's the same sort of thing, perhaps, where she was brought up as an only child. Her parents did a great job raising her and nurturing her. And she is just going out into the world with that background where she may have been a little bit spoiled, perhaps, by her parents. But not spoiled rotten like Draco has. But also, she was raised by muggles. And unlike Harry, she was supported by her parents and was able to research and learn and (coughs) read all these books already (coughs) and apply probably some of those things like being a bibliophile to the wizarding world. So she knows a lot more and she's just going out and showing, hey, I'm passionate about this and excited Mm -hmm. and eager to learn. But like you said, she doesn't know how to approach other students and she doesn't have those social graces yet. That's how I think I try to observe where she's coming from. And we know how she develops and it's great what it comes out of. I think about being an 11-year-old girl. This is a whole new different world for her. And whether or not she was maybe raised kind of spoiled as an only child, she's capable of heart and friendship and warmth, whereas Draco isn't. To me, it feels like a guard is up. At the same time, she's she's still a know-it-all. Yeah. But this the snottiness is like this overall air around her. It's all very focused in the, I need you to know that I am not willing to have you look down on me. Yeah, really. let me show you what I'm capable of. Yeah, because like Draco's is all like, ooh, these people are terrible. Like Hermione does not come in and is like, 
oh, let me see your magic or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she just responds that that's not very good. And you know, here's the thing is that throughout the whole series, like Hermione is capable of care and, and like understanding other people's feelings and stuff. She's not always doing that though. Yeah. She's in the back of her mind, she still needs to be the person who is correct in the room. Whereas Draco needs to be the one in charge and the yeah. one who is like, so yeah, I get it. But at the same time, I think that her tactics are self-protection. Yeah. Hermione shows strength. I don't mm-hmm. think Draco ever shows strength. Even at the no. very end, when we start to see potentially a change, it always comes out of cowardice. Uh, I made a joke earlier in this in our podcast where I was like, I don't have any Gryffindor in me. I'm a coward. But, like, you really see that with Draco. Like, he is a bully and he puffs out his chest until there is any sort of threat to him in any way possible. Yeah. I mean, perhaps it's also him walking in being like, oh, you're Harry Potter. I want to be more famous than you. I want to be the one on top. And Harry's just like adjusting to being famous. Harry, I'm mm-hmm. sure, doesn't really even care. He's just looking at him like he did at Madame Malcolm's, being like, "This is a douchebag." But that doesn't that doesn't tell the famous Scabbers attack on Goyle. <laughs> the the other thing that I wanted to mention really quick about Hermione is she does mention something similar to Draco, too, and I don't want to make any more comparisons between them. But she says something along the lines of, like, I'd like to be in that Gryffindor house. I suppose Ravenclaw would be good, too, but Gryffindor sounds like the best. Something along those lines. Yeah. Which I thought was also kind of interesting. I mean, maybe it goes back to how you said her trying to show... Like, you won't look down on me or something. I don't know if it's in this chapter or if it's in the movie or wherever it is, but Dumbledore was in Gryffindor. And Mm. I don't know if she's just like, well, Dumbledore was in Gryffindor. And Mm. he's the best. And And she knows about Dumbledore, clearly. Like, she's read about him. I feel like that's kind of where it is. And ultimately, the story itself revolves so much around the Gryffindors Mm -hmm. because Harry is a Gryffindor. But I think Hogwarts, I mean, like, the Sorting Hat was Gryffindor's. Godric Gryffindor was one of the more driving forces behind the creation of the school because I think, like, the women were being practical and the men were being, like, big and bold. And, you know, Gryffindor is this big name. Dumbledore was in Gryffindor. And also, she definitely would not want to be a Slytherin or Hufflepuff. To her, Hufflepuff would just fall off the map. She needs to be recognized. And I think Ravenclaws are probably more willing to just kind of sit on the sidelines and be like, my mark will be made, but it doesn't have to be here. Yeah. Gryffindors are fucking like divas. Ravenclaws are more patient. Yeah. And I think even coming in with this forthcoming presence, Mm -hmm. it shows that she is potentially not willing to be quite as patient. It's not necessarily what you are, but what is hidden in you. You think about Neville as a Gryffindor. Because Hermione, she's already smart. Mm -hmm. She's already ambitious. She's already good-natured underneath everything. Being bold, standing up for herself in a way that is not snotty, like a Slytherin, in in the, like, grand scheme of how we're, like, generalizing houses, not necessarily Slytherins. But maybe Gryffindor is where she needs to be to grow. I think Ron is a Gryffindor because he needs to find that in himself because 
he's always comparing himself to his brothers. And I think Neville's a Gryffindor because he has to find his capability. Yeah. Those two are trying to prove it to themselves just as much as everyone else. Whereas Hermione already knows she can prove everything else to everyone else. Mm-hmm. And Harry is Harry. <laughs> Harry is so funny because he is the most Gryffindor and least Gryffindor character. Like, yeah. He's just... He doesn't want to be in the center of attention. Well, sorry, Harry. Actually, I think Harry is very Hufflepuff. Yeah. He's not a Ravenclaw at all because he's kind of dumb. There, There's two things that come to mind. The first is there's this meme or whatever online where it's like, oh, the trio represents all three other houses, but they all ended up in Gryffindor. Like, Harry's the Slytherin and Hermione's the Ravenclaw and... Ron's the Hufflepuff, but when you when you said that, because I I had thought the same thing about <clears throat> Harry. He is very Hufflepuffly, which is a word that I actually I love use way the more word often. Hufflepuffly. <laughs> like I think of the moment where he like Cho Chang is like, "Hey, Harry," and the water comes out of his mouth, and he like just spits all over himself. Harry, <laughs> Harry. But it also made me think like what we were talking about Hermione and how Ravenclaw is a little bit more behind the scenes, perhaps. But when you think of Slytherin characteristics, ambition and cunning always come up, which both have somewhat negative connotations, right? Cunning, I I mean, cunning sounds like yeah. clever, but like maybe a mean type of clever. So mm. I always like to say that Slytherins are clever. Ambitious can be, I always think of ambition as a really great thing. It means that you're always striving to get what you want. That can also be seen as a negative thing because perhaps we'll do it no matter what the means. Ambition is also seen as like a negative character trait in some literature. Sure. But I like ambition. Ambition is about setting goals and striving towards them and being relentless to a degree. Yeah. I feel like that is something that Hermione is representing here. But the other thing we had just talked about before recording is how like... Even us are, like, percentages of houses. Mm -hmm. I talked about how, yes, I'm, like, a ride-or-die Slytherin. I have all this Slytherin pride. But I still feel like I'm probably 60% Slytherin, 35% Ravenclaw, and the rest is Hufflepuff. (laughs) Maybe there's a little bit of Gryffindor in there, too. And you had said how there's a good solid portion of Hufflepuff in you as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true with with the three of them as well. Like, we have to remember that not everybody is 100% courage. I mean, no one is. And whatever. I mean, I'm not really. I just, overall, I think I'm just thinking about the fact that Hermione is coming into this from a completely different perspective. And while she and Harry have both been raised by muggles, she also being a girl. She mm-hmm. just, you know... She comes in, she sees these boys. She has to make an impression. And also this whole train ride is just first impressions. Like Harry and Ron are so nervous to be like, what's this person going to think of me? And then Draco's just, you know, strutting around. So it's very interesting. Um, just these first impressions of these kids. I don't know. I just, yeah. I do love Some this. are better at first <clears throat> impressions than others. I don't think any of them really excel at it. No. <laughs> Except for Ginny. Yeah. Yes. And so yeah. at the end, you know, they make it. And this boat ride, this is perhaps a good transition into the movie as well, but the boat ride scene in the movie is iconic. You know, that is like maybe one of the first things that we've seen in like all the trailers and the marketing of the movies. But 
I still love the way that it's said in the book so much more. It gives a little bit more depth than it talks about how, you know, they go through some like, some vines. And they're like ivy. under the castle when they come yeah. in. Yeah. And how they get in there and oh my gosh. It is there a ride like that at um the Wizarding World? No. They should freaking do something like that. There's... Just a chill little boat ride. Oh my god. That's I I wish they would. Um, I do love how the end of the chapter is so like anticipatory. Yeah, it's Hagrid like a raised a giant fist and knocked on the door three times. Or whatever yes. It is, or, yeah, oh. and then you're like, that's the end of the chapter. And you're like, oh yes, here we go. We're at Hogwarts. It, I love it. It would have been so. So the way that we read these two, because if you don't know yet, we record two episodes at a time. And we did Diagon Alley with this one. It's almost funny that we are like, oh, cliffhanger. Now we have to, you know, come back in two weeks. Right. And, What's next? What's and next? pick it back up. Kind of similar to how the last time we recorded, there was, it was Hagrid was knocking on another door, but we didn't know who Hagrid was yet. Right. It's, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. Yeah. So, so, yeah, you think the movie did a good job? I honestly think that the movie did a better job in this case. I feel like in the book, it's like, oh, here's another person that comes in, and another person, and another person. In the movie, we at the very least meet Hermione and Ron in the cabin together. And we wait to meet Draco much later on the steps waiting for McGonagall to Mm -hmm. introduce them to Hogwarts. I almost think I like that a little bit more. I feel like it's a little bit more spread out. That's also where we meet Neville, which I know it's a little bit delayed, so not perhaps not your favorite. No, but, I love my but we actually meet Neville before we meet we learn who Draco is. You know, we knew who Draco mm-hmm. was before, but and we meet Neville before Hermione. But I don't know, I like I think I like the pacing a little bit more in the movie in this case. Otherwise, yeah, I, I think of the scene when where they have the birdie bots beans and they're like sprawled all over the place and scabbers in the box and things like that. And there's some additional elements of like the frog flying out the window and things, things of that nature. I think it definitely adds the color to the scene. I think of the moment when we meet Molly Weasley and she helps Harry get through to the, the platform and we see some of the ex- the the brief hullabaloo on the on the platform, and I think it's done very very well. Honestly, I just love seeing the Hogwarts Express. It's just one of the most iconic things in the movies. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they made it a train? I mean, I could tell you what I've read on Pottermore. Apparently, they used to use port keys and stuff to get students to Hogwarts. Uh, but they couldn't regulate arrival times, and it just turned into a huge mess. So instead, they stole this idea from the Muggles (laughs) and created this platform through King's Cross. Everyone would get on the train at the same time and all go to Hogwarts at the same time. That's what I read on Pottermore. I also think of King's Cross Station as a symbol later on. Right. As kind of like this hub of going from one place to another. Mm -hmm. So I think of that as like a symbolism of why JK made it the the main transportation. Later on, of course, we learn of students traveling by ship or by 
carriage drawn by Pegasi. Pegasi? Whatever. Vernon Dursley made the stupid joke about, oh, the magic carpets, blah, 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 but... I love magical transportation, too. Mm. The the things that we take for granted. And we <laughs> talked about, you know, the magical tape measure in the last episode. But the, the other ways that they can take just normal things from day to day and make them so much more interesting is, is really something. Anything else from the movie? No, I think the movie uh, does, a, again, does a nice job yeah. with this. Telling the story we need to know at that point. Absolutely, yeah. All right, it okay. is your turn it's to tell us. It's time to crown the winner and loser of this chapter. You ready for this? Sure. Do you know who I'm going to choose for everything? So, does Neville win? No, I just love Neville. Okay, so I want to start with the loser of this chapter. Ooh. Um, the loser of this chapter is Draco Malfoy. Of course. <laughs> because he just sucks. The end. Don't need to go into to that. Uh, the winner of this chapter is Molly Weasley. Oh, hell yeah. One, for just being a fucking amazing mom. She has seven kids, and she has five of them with her, mm-hmm. and helps this other wayward child. Also, where is Daddy Weasley? Like Working he, at the ministry. He must be working. Talking he's to like, rubber ducks. He's like, you gotta <laughs> take care of five of the children today. Okay, thanks, bye. You know? I mean, I guess he's like, you can take care of all them. all of them, because right? the other two are adults. Are adults. <laughs> Like, it's fine. You can leave four of them at a train station and come home and just hang out with your daughter. It's fine. <laughs> so, for so, me, yeah. Molly definitely gets, like... 400 points. Again, yes. I make up the rules, so 20 points to Molly Weasley. Like, that's more than I've assigned anybody. Throughout the series, I think we see Molly always going above and beyond. I feel like she has so many responsibilities as we see her character grow of what is expected of her and what she does. I fucking love Molly Weasley. She gets 20 points. The trolley lady gets 10 points because I fucking love the trolley lady. I'm also going to give five points each to Ron and Ginny, too. So this is a lot of points I'm giving away, but whatever. They're my rules. I I like Ron's introduction here. The meat of this chapter is learning about the introduction between Ron and Harry, and I really like how it's done. And Ginny is just a little firecracker. I'm taking points away from, of course, Draco. If I gave 20 to Molly, let's just make it even and take 20 away from Draco. I'm going to take 10 away from Scabbers because I know who he is and I don't like it. <laughs> and I'm going to take 5 away from Trevor, too, because stop getting fucking lost. Just stay with your owner who yeah, loves you. poor Neville. Jeez. So that's it for this episode. Next time, we'll be covering the chapter... The Sorting Hat. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yes, can't wait to meet the Sorting Hat, who is like maybe the sassiest bitch in the whole series. We talked a lot about houses this chapter, so we'll rein it in a little bit for the next episode. Again, I don't know how we're going to close. Yeah, we're still bad at closing things and opening things. We open at the close. We we do not. Yeah. I don't know. Everyone have a great time till the next time you yeah. listen to us ramble. Petrificus Totalis. I don't know. I'm what? trying to think of here. It is action. too late at night. It really is. It is two hours past my bedtime. Bye, everyone. Go to bed. <laughs>